Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA. I'm Stacia Harris. I'm a member of the NCSPRA media team, and I'm the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools. In today's episode, we want to continue exploring a topic that I find incredibly interesting um, and and also a little bit intimidating, uh, crisis communications and response to some sort of large, major emergency event at a school. Uh, Since we know a a crisis can strike in many ways and at any time, we want to tackle the topic from a couple of perspectives. So in part one, which I'm going to link in the show notes below, we explored crisis communications and response from more of a law enforcement perspective. And uh, for this episode, we want to approach it from more of an emergency management perspective. And uh, so so we're talking about a crisis such as um, a natural disaster, a fire, flood, tornado, uh, even a plane crash. Uh, joining me today are representatives from both Buncombe County and Asheville City. We have Kelly Clope. She's the PIO for the Asheville Fire Department. And Angie Ledford is the Division Manager for Buncombe County Emergency Management. We're going to tackle some big topics today. Let's start the show. Hello, Kelly and Angie, and welcome to School PR Drive Time. To start us off, I'd like for each of you to briefly introduce yourself and your professional background. Kelly, we'll start with you. Great. Yes, I'm Kelly Cloak, and I uh, work for the Asheville Fire Department. I've worked for the fire department since 1996. Started as a firefighter, and my roles changed throughout the year to fire life safety educator, level two inspector. And then uh, not too long into that position, we recognized that our fire department needed a public information officer. And so I volunteered for that position, and then it has morphed into this standalone public information officer, which is what I do today. Um, So I've served in that role for probably 20 years now, almost 20 years, which also means I provide administrative and organizational support to the fire chief and the staff. I'm basically a liaison for uh, our employees and our entities coordinating and managing work activities and events. Um, I also uh, can speak on behalf of our department and fire chief at general public meetings, local media organizations, and things like that. Um, So I'm basically the spokesperson for the Asheville Fire Department. Great. And Angie, what about you? I'm Angie Ledford. I'm the Emergency Management Division Manager for Buncombe County Emergency Services. I've been with Buncombe County Emergency Services since 2000, and I've been in the Emergency Management Division Manager role for about 18 months now. Um, As part of my background, I have um, achieved incident management credentials as Plan Section Chief, Finance Section Chief, Liaison Officer, as well as Public Information Officer. And I've also assisted many outside agencies, including both the Buncombe County and Asheville City School Systems with their emergency response planning, as well as their drills and exercises. Absolutely. And and Angie and I worked together a few years ago uh, when we were on a committee to plan a um, a, a live drill, evacuation drill. We might be able to touch on that um, a little bit. So I just want to dive into the the first question. And I know I asked this of um, my guests on the part one of this podcast, where we were focused a little more on law enforcement situations. But um, for you guys, um, you know, when crisis strikes, it it can look like a lot of different things. It could be a natural disaster, a a fire, uh, something of that nature. What, what do we do 
as school PR practitioners and, and generally as, as um, PR professionals, what do we do before that crisis strikes? And um, Kelly, we'll hear from you first. Okay, so what I can recommend before the crisis starts is, is basically have a plan in place. This is something that needs to be discussed prior to an emergency. Um, you've heard that phrase, uh, practice make, makes perfect. And so that's what we do um, no matter what stage of life you're in. And so we, we wanna practice, discuss a plan, practice a plan um, and, and build relationships. It's really important that we build relationships prior to an emergency so that we know who we are going to reach out to. Um, we have those numbers in our phone. We, we like I said, we, we have this relationship and it's easy to reach each other. Um, so for instance, when my phone rings and it's stationed on the other line, I'm, I pretty much know that I need to pick that up because there's something going on that station needs my help with. Um, so another thing that can be done on your end is uh, whenever there's uh, prior to a situation, having that plan in place of how are you gonna account for students? How are you gonna account for faculty? How will you account for everybody that may be um, within that facility at that given time prior to an emergency so that uh, we can all you know, have that accountability um, after the emergency, during the emergency? Um, there should be a system in place on how to communicate to each other during an event. Um, so again, having that set in place prior to the event, whether it's, you know, purchasing walkie-talkies or some type of radio system, cell phones for everybody, something like that. Um, designating a command area so people know where to go. Not only do you currently do drills and students and faculty know where to go for an, um, uh, like a, um, a safe place to go, their meeting place, you also want to have that as a command area as well. Um, and then just uh, understanding unified command, uh, understanding how this is going to work if emergency occurs. You guys obviously are first on the scene, you're gonna call 911. And then, um, so you guys have control up to a given point. And then when fire and police get there, depending on the situation, one of those uh, organizations will take control. Great answer. And uh, Angie, what about you? Um, I totally agree with everything that Kelly said. The only thing that, that I would add um, to that rather than, than restating things is that um, you also need to make sure when you're planning that you have um, contingency plans in place and that you have um, staff trains as, trained as backups. And we typically recommend that you have all those key positions backed up 3D and um, keep in mind when you are um, you know, training and exercising and forming relationships and collaborating with other agencies that you don't just always need to involve the person in the primary role. You need to make sure that um, all of the folks that have backup roles are also included in that process so they can be forming the, the relationships and making contacts as well. Absolutely. And I want to throw in, you know, the interagency, uh, you know, communication beforehand and that relationship is so important. And um, internally, you know, as a school and as a school system, I think it's so important for um, at the bare minimum for your principals and your cabinet or leadership team to have uh, a plan and to have practiced a plan, um, whether you, you've written it down or, or you know, just keep it in the vault of your mind, which, which I have a bad habit of doing. Um, I think it's so important because um, school folks, um, 
we're all so, so different and we have so many different responsibilities and uh, kind of w- when the chaos of a natural disaster strikes, that can't be the first time that you and your, your cabinet have had a conversation about um, emergency response. So I just wanted to throw that in. And, and so let's transition now uh, to, to the point where, um, okay, um, some, some event has happened. It, it was a tornado, a fire, a flood, maybe a, a crazy snowstorm, um, just something very, um, it could be very cute and only affecting one school, or it could affect, uh, you know, entire neighborhoods and, and multiple schools. So Angie, I want you to get us started this time. Talk us through um, how school PR practitioners will collaborate with, with other agencies, because there's going to be a, a lot of um, kind of controlled chaos, especially in the first few minutes and hours of the event. Okay, so I think foremost, the most important thing that we want to make sure is that all of the agencies that are involved are providing consistent messaging throughout the incident. Um, We've already discussed forming relationships prior to an incident, um, and in those prior plans, there should be some means of coordinating that messaging during an incident, either at a physical joint information center location or by having some means of virtual coordination to keep everybody together. all of the PR folks from the involved agencies should be sharing information from their agency and discipline so that everybody's informed and that everybody's on the same page. But at the same time, they also need to ensure that either they or their agency's representatives are only speaking publicly to things that are under the purview of of their agency. And by that, I simply mean emergency response representatives should not be discussing or commenting on school policies and procedures and school representatives shouldn't be discussing or commenting on the details of the emergency response. And then again, the best way to make sure all of these efforts are coordinated during a response is to share your plans in advance and to test them during exercises. Awesome. And um, Kelly, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um, I think I'll just add on to when Angie's talking about a joint information center, she's mm-hmm. exactly right that there is so much information that is uh, coming and going and it there's so much um, move, so many moving parts that a joint information center is super important because, like she said, we have to have uh, consistent messaging. And so a lot of times there will be a lead in that JIC, as it's called, joint information center, there'll be a lead person. And everybody has a designated task, meaning they'll, there may be one person responsible for actually pushing out the information. Everybody else is gathering information, getting that information to that individual, and one piece of information will go out so that we know that it's, um, you know, it's coordinated and it's a single messaging. Um, so that's, that's always important as well when the event is large. Um, you mentioned if it were just at a school, that's one thing, but when you involve many different schools or many other facilities or whatever the situation might be, um, and you're not right at that scene, bringing that information in, collecting it, putting it in one press release is, is probably the best means to get the correct information out. And, and Kelly, I want to stay with you. Uh, something that uh, is it's kind of an odd kind of um, wild card situation, uh, because, again, depending on the, the nature of the um natural disaster, kind of whatever, whatever the, the disaster is, everyone is ro- walking around with um, essentially a, a video camera um, in their pocket. And at, if it's a big enough event, 
um, without a doubt, there's going to be people, be people filming it and sort of putting their own perspective out onto the internet for, for everyone to consume. How would you recommend, or, or do you have a strategy for how to manage, you know, essentially um, information narratives um, that are potentially getting out there even, even before the, the PIOs can, can put their heads together? So one thing really uh, prior to any situation is, is building your reputation. So I'll just use Asheville Fire Department as an example. Um, in Buncombe County, Angie, they have, they have the same similar, but I'll speak on our behalf, is that we already have a Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we use it pretty heavily. We definitely use Twitter as a means to get our um, newsworthy information out. And so we have built this reputation that the media knows that if it's coming from that feed, it is a reliable professional resource that they can use. They can take directly from that and know that that information is correct. So even if I don't have a ton of information at the beginning of an emergency situation, I will do my very best to at least push out what I do know because pushing out something is better than not pushing out anything, letting them know that, hey, I'm aware this is happening. I've got this going and updates will follow. Uh, What we struggle with is what you're talking about, citizen journalism, where, like you said, everybody has a cell phone, everybody's taking their own opinion, their own, um, um, you know, outlook on a situation. And and so we have to jump in there quickly and be able to tell our side of the story um, from a professional standpoint as quick as possible. And Angie, do you have anything to add? Uh, We have a a similar setup with the county. I'm not as directly involved in um, pushing out information as Kelly is. We rely on the um, the county public information team, but um, you know they they do a very similar approach. Awesome, and and so I um, want to um, kind of move to my the, the next topic. And, and Kelly, this is uh, directed at you. So say there's some, some sort of um, fire, or you know, Angie, if there's a or t- tornado, something like that, that would prompt an evacuation of a school, um, and, and of course, some sort of investigation, you know, would follow. How do PR practitioners? Um, how can we be a part of the process without being in the way? <laughs> Kelly, we'll start with you. Um, That's a good question. I think that one is, again, when we talked about that command um, location, uh, having them available, having as many resources as possible available, because if it's a a fire, we know how we're going to evacuate. If it's some type of other threat uh, that we basically need to uh, move students or faculty to another location, we need to be able to speak quickly to somebody that maybe in connection to resources like buses and things like that. So just, um, just being a resource, being nearby, being um, plugged in, being plugged in and available is probably the easiest and being willing to, um, it may not be your normal job to go find a bus to, to, to transport people, but I'm assuming that you guys know better than I would on how to do that because mm-hmm. I'm at a fire department here at the school. So I think just being, um, just having a good awareness about possible opportunities, resources, being plugged in at all times. Um, you may not know everything about everything, but you should know a lot about everything. So that's what I do at the fire department. I'm a spokesperson and I'm not expertise on everything, but I know enough to 
find out for somebody or to know where to get it. And I think that's one thing that's super important. And, and Angie, um, what about you? And I know um, we work together. It's been a few years, you know, pre-pandemic, but um, we uh, essentially helped plan a full-scale evacuation drill of um, actually a couple of our schools. And it was top to bottom, just we had, you know, actors were necessary. I mean, it was, it was the full, the full situation. Um, Talk to us just a little bit about um, what your role would be in, in that sort of response to some sort of event, disaster. And I mean, in, in that situation, I would probably be acting more of a liaison of trying to coordinate information between all the involved agencies, as opposed to pushing information out um, to the media. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I, I think has always been beneficial in terms of the way that your plans are set up, um, where this the central office kind of manages the incident and lets the principals focus on just what's going on at their school in terms of of information um even to the point of you guys having the ability to send out the messages um you know to the parents to to let them know what's going on and try you know try to keep them informed keep them from showing up at the scene Mm -hmm. um so that they're not you know causing traffic jams or, um, you know, being in the way of the responders coming in. Um, I've always thought that that was a really great setup so that you can manage that ex- aspect, which allows the, the principal and the other staff at the school to handle the job of accountability and making sure that the students are okay and, and those type of things. Great. And that's why I wanted to have both of you on the show, because I think you you both bring some unique perspective that certainly would help school PR uh, folks um, kind of prepare um, because, you know, you never know when disaster could strike. Well, we're just beginning our conversation. We want to take a quick break now. And when we return, we'll dive into some real world lessons and advice from Angie and Kelly. Stay with us. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. Did you know that students spend an average of 13% of their waking hours in school by the time they're 18? This leaves parents facing the question of how to fill the remaining 87%. Together with parents and communities, schools share in the joint mission to enrich the lives of children in and outside the classroom, but you can't do it alone. That's where Peach Jar comes in. With Peach Jar, your school can provide more resources, increase engagement with busy parents, and streamline communications so that you can spend more time focusing on celebrating student success. Trusted by over 17,000 plus schools and 850 plus school districts, 34,000 plus community organizations, and over 12 million parents nationwide, Peach Jar delivers resources that help communities thrive. Book a demo at www.peachjar.com today to learn how partnering with Peach Jar can help you streamline your communications process and better connect with your community. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. Kelly Clope with the Asheville Fire Department and Angie Ledford with Buncombe County Emergency Services are with us today to talk through what crisis communication and and crisis response and and that partnership, um, what does that look like? So Kelly, we want to start with you. Um, You know, before the break, we we teased ahead saying that we we talk about some lessons learned and best practices. So uh, Kelly, what what have been some of the most, I think, poignant lessons, helpful lessons that that you've learned in, in your role? Um, wow, there's been a lot of them over the years for sure. And uh, I think I've touched on some of them, but what I what I 
take away the most if I were to encounter a large situation is, um, and Angie, Angie and I both work this way, is understanding that command system. Who is, who is the go-to person? You really need to be familiar with who, who is in charge and who can get you your resources, um, who are your public information officers, and, and working closely with them during the event so that you yourself are not working in a vacuum, that you are including everyone so that you're, you're sure that you have the correct and most up-to-date information and are sharing that with the public. Um, another thing is for me personally has been managing media. Uh, if there's a large event, a lot of media will show up. Um, gaining that confidence over the years of, I, I'm in control of this media situation. I will get them their information and I will organize how that is delivered. So when media start flowing into the scene, I will, I will put aside an area specific for them and I will deliver the information frequently and hold to your word to them um, and build those relationships, obviously. But again, look at it as what do I need to get out? What information do I want to share? Therefore, I have control of this situation and I will give them the information I need for people to know. And if you go in it with that attitude, it takes a little of the pressure off of, oh my gosh, what are they going to ask and what do I need to answer for them and, and that kind of um, information. So I think just uh, those are some of the strong points that I've learned over the years. And I want to lift up one of the comments that you made uh, just about media management. I think um, having good relationships with your local media before the disaster strikes is huge. Um, having someone in that newsroom that, that you can trust. And uh, additionally, I mean, we all understand, you know, um, television, newspaper, radio, they're all going to be trying to get, quote, the story first. And and so they're going to be in competition with with each other, which means, you know, they may be roaming around, you know, the scene of a tornado fire, something like that. And and so um, I like um, what you suggested there of, you know, promising frequent updates in a in a spot in a single spot where, you know, these reporters know if they want the, the details from a reliable source, that's where they need to be. And um, my mentor um, suggests something similar and, and it sort of reduces um, that urge for re reporters to essentially roam around an active scene and, and you have no control, you have no idea what they're, what video they're capturing, who they're talking to. Um, it just makes um, a tenuous situation just really even more stressful sure. and, and difficult to manage. Man, and manage. for their safety and everyone's safety as well. And um, believe it or not, they will end up managing each other. Meaning if I have made that request and I walk away and somebody starts to uh, go outside those boundaries, another media person may come to me and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's not respecting your request and I can you know so it it manages itself once you you know put some some guidelines out there for them. Absolutely. And Angie, talk to us a little bit about um your process and just some of the best practices and lessons you've learned. And again, my process is a little bit more focused on internal communication um, than what Kelly's is. But um you know, everything that she said regarding understanding the instant command system and unified command. Um, you know, ahead of an incident, that that's that's very on point um, because that's kind of the the guide guidelines that all responders operate under. But um, you know, typically emergency management is always going to be in a coordinating role um, in any response. 
um, trying to make sure that all the other responding agencies have have the resources and the information that they need. So typically, um, I'm actually working as more of a liaison than uh, a public information officer. And in that vein, I'm making sure the information is being shared between the agencies that are responding, as well as com being communicated um, back up to county leadership. And one of the things that they teach you in the various incident command classes is kind of those liaison officer positions are almost married to the PIOs because we're, we're looking for the same information. We're just sharing it in, in different avenues. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm able to work through our um, county public information team um, most of the time and let them handle the, the media aspect of it. But, um, you know, the, the first thing that I try to make sure that I do um, with any incident is to um, gather the information about what agencies are involved in the response, who the key representatives for each agency are, make sure you've got a means of getting in contact with them, um, you know, in order to communicate. And, um, you know, typically that's going to also help the PIOs because they're going to be getting questions about how many agencies are here, how many responders are here, and, and that type of information. So we kind of work hand in hand. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of obviously kind of planning for all um, eventualities. Depending on the nature of the incident, I think something that, that is interesting but could complicate things is if a federal agency is involved, say, if it's a plane crash, then all of a sudden you're dealing with a whole different set of people. Um, and Angie, you know, from, from your perspective, um, what do you do when you kind of are throwing that curveball and you have, you know, folks who you have never met, seen, never seen a day in your life, and now all of a sudden they're in charge of uh, a lot of what's going on? Uh, you do the best that you can. You try to, um, you know, that's probably an instance where you've not formed a relationship in advance, but you try to build that rapport as quickly as you possibly can. And um, a good way to do that is supporting uh, what they need um, and trying to be um, in assistance to them. Um, you know, the, and another thing that that usually brings with it, too, is the um, maybe some of the bigger media outlets as opposed to, you know, it may not just be your local news media if it's something that is a really high profile event it may be you know your cnns and and things like that and um you know something to remember for everyone is that um you know that they blow into town and they leave and you need to make sure that you're always um taking care of your local media um just as much as you are paying attention to those bigger outlets because it's it's your local folks that you're going to be dealing with on a you know a day-to-day -day basis and you you need to make sure that you're not alienating them if you do have um something that's a big event absolutely and, and i think you know another uh, important topic that i want to hit before we uh, uh wrap up the show is the importance of you know essentially doing a a, a post-mortem and, and uh a hot wash, as, as we call it in Buncombe County Schools, of uh, a situation. I know when we did our um, evacuation drills after each uh, drill, we all sat in a room together and just said, okay, what, what worked well, what didn't work at all, and um, what did we completely you know, overlook in, in our planning process? So um, Kelly, we'll go to you first. Uh, talk, to about, talk to us about your process for just reflecting on whether it's a drill or, or an actual emergency. Um, how, do you, how do you make sure that, that you know, you're continuing to, to learn lessons that can, that can make you better at your job? Right. Um, pretty much any event that the Asheville Fire Department encounters has an after action, um, you know, discussion. And so 
It can be on the tailboard of a fire truck after a fire. They will come together and they will immediately talk about what went right and what went wrong because by the time you clean up, get back, and you go home for a couple of days, you're going to forget a few things. So it's best to go ahead and discuss it, maybe have to hash some things out. But oftentimes, as humans, we learn by mistake. And so same thing applies for uh, any other event. If there's a large weather event or like we're talking about um, some type of uh, emergency at a school or something, these agencies will come back together and discuss, again, what went right, what went wrong, what, what can we do or how can we change it to make it better in the future? And that is a super important major part of this whole emergency crisis communication. Um, we're always learning and we always can improve. And so having that um, hot wash, as you would call it, is, is, is just one of the steps. It's one of the given steps that will happen. And Angie, what about you? Anything to add? Um, I think it's it's very important. Sometimes people are very hesitant to want to talk about what went wrong. And I always try to phrase it as what are our opportunities for improvement to make it sound like it's, it is an opportunity to improve. It's not necessarily chastising um, someone for something that went wrong. And, um, you know, as we're talking about opportunities for improvement and um, identifying tasks that need to be completed, the sooner that you can assign someone the responsibility for implementing that, the more likely you are that it's actually going to be carried out to to fruition and you're actually going to get those improvements. Perfect. Great way to wrap it up. I think that's just, that's so important. Um, and, uh, and I think that's why, you know, practicing and doing a drill, even if it's just a tabletop drill, um, go through the motion, see what it feels like when you're, you know, trying to work fast and, you know, you've got media calling, you've got, you know, potentially parents calling, trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, trying to put, push that information as, um, in a timely fashion. Um, I think absolutely you've got to do it, practice it, and then, and then look back and, and figure out maybe where, where you could do things a little bit better. So um, wonderful insight and advice. Um, I really appreciate you all taking some time to come on the show and talk to us. Kelly Clope with the Asheville Fire Department and Angie Ledford with the Buncombe County Emergency Services. Thank you all for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Stacia. Had another great conversation with my guests today. Really appreciate their time and, and sharing their insight and uh, it's just it's so important to build relationships with um, with you know your your emergency services folks and and be a part of uh, tabletop drills. If you can plan a, a full scale drill, definitely do it. I, I think um, the more you practice, the more you can really get a sense of okay, what's it going to feel like when everything's going a thousand miles an hour, and um, you have an important job to do. So um, again, thanks to our guests today for for joining us. And uh, hey, if you out there have any uh, topic ideas you'd like us to cover on School PR Drive Time, just send an email to ncspra_social at gmail.com. And I'm going to link that in the show notes below. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.